Psalm 37, verse 1 to 8. Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to God. Trust in God and God will do this. God will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn. Your vindication will shine like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for God. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. Do not fret. Do not be anxious. Don't worry. Don't react. Don't get worked up about things. I have realized, it's taken me longer than it should have, but I've finally realized that I am a bit of a fretter. My name is Troy, and I fret. (laughs) I'm a bit of a fretter. I get worked up over things. Sometimes I, uh, as one of my brothers pointed out, I sweat the small stuff. And more than that realization... I have come to the realization that at this point in my spiritual journey, in my growth and maturity as a human being, that the most pressing area of my spiritual growth is in this area of learning not to fret, not to react, not to get worked up over things. Now, five years ago, ten years ago, that wouldn't have been the case. There there were bigger things that God was dealing with in my life. And so this is a sign of progress. I mean, God has helped me through many addictions and attachments and issues and and healing. And and it's been amazing to look back over what God has brought me through and how we have grown together. And now I find myself in the place where this is the number one issue. And I'm sure once I get through this, I will discover that, oh, there's another huge issue that I wasn't even aware of before that now we need to work on. But right now, at this point in my journey... Not reacting, not fretting, not getting anxious, not getting worked up over things. That, that's what God and I have discerned we need to work on right now in my life. So as I've said, I'm, I'm very aware, and, and I'm sure you're very aware of all these biblical teachings and commands not to fret, not to worry, not to get anxious, not to get angry, not to get frustrated, not to react, not to get worked up out of things. Okay, I accept that that's a command from God. I accept that that's something God desires for me. And this is something I desire for myself, to be set free from my fretting ways. Okay, but how? Because I've been trying. Uh, Every January, I kind of make um, a theme for the year. And in the year 2018, my my theme, my focus for the year was was being non-reactive. And to be honest, you know, when you do the year in review, I do this. I'm not sure how far I've come in this area of being non-reactive. And so, okay, how, how, do, I, how do I do this? So the first thing to, to understand about these teachings in the Bible is the, when, when you read something like don't fret, don't worry, 
That's not something that you just say, oh, okay, okay, I choose not to worry, and then from then on, you don't worry anymore. Like, that's not how it works. Or you pray a prayer, okay, God, thank you for telling me I shouldn't worry, I shouldn't fret, Um, help me not to fret and worry anymore. Oh, okay, and magically that's gone, and okay, let's move on to the next thing, right? It's a journey. It's a very long process. In fact, many of these teachings of Jesus, and the teachings of Scripture, the wisdom of the Bible, it's, it's, the intention is to retrain our minds, to reprogram our consciousness. And that takes a long time. That's why these, our salvation is really a journey, our, our healing, our being liberated from, from ego and addiction, attachments and all that, sin nature, whatever words you want to use, is a long journey. It's a long process. And it takes work, and it's sacrifice, and it's about diligence. So when, when we read these teachings, don't fret. This is something that I have to diligently put into practice day in, day out, for years. Years. One of the, one of the things that often happens to us is we... We will set a goal, or we will set a New Year's resolution, or we will read something in Scripture, and we're like, okay, I'm not going to worry anymore. I'm not going to gossip anymore, whatever it is. And then so we start being intentional about that, and we, we practice that. Okay, I'm not going to gossip. I'm not going to worry. And then, you know, three months later, and we're like, oh, I'm not growing in this area at all. Nothing's working. Nothing's changing. And we give up. Well, it takes much longer to be emancipated from our old ways than three months. Tony Robbins uh, once said, People overestimate what they can accomplish in one year. But the good news is people underestimate what they can accomplish in five years. And I found that to be true. When I have this short term, okay, I'm going to really work on this, whatever it is. And then, you know, after three months, six months, a year, and I'm like, oh, I don't feel like I'm making any progress. And I give up. Nothing's ever going to change if I give up after I only give it three months, six months, a year. This is, a lot of this stuff takes sometimes decades to really come to the point where we are emancipated from our old patterns of behavior. And it comes from practicing day in, day out, the things that Jesus asks us to practice. So I don't know if that's good news or, or, or bad news. And, and some of you may be fretting just thinking about this, right? So as, as I... As I contemplated what, okay, I desire to be set free from my fretting ways, and I know that it's going to take a long time to be emancipated from this, and and I know I'm going to have to work in day in and day out. And and one of the reasons that I'm convinced of that is I've seen the success in other areas of my life. When it comes to fretting, I have not been set free yet. I'm still a work in progress. But because I've applied this principle to other areas of my life, I am aware that it does work. I'll give you an example of one area of success in my life. I used to, when I desired to be attuned with God's spirit, to be in sync with God's presence, it would take a long time. I mean, I grew up uh, in a back, with a background and an environment where the first thing you needed to do was grovel and confess your sins for, for a certain amount of time. I mean, this wasn't a two-minute thing. Like, confess everything that I possibly might have done in the, since I last prayed, 
And then the really big sins from even a couple years ago, I had to rehash that stuff because I still wasn't quite sure if I had groveled enough about that stuff. So it would take this whole procedure for me to finally experience attunement with God's presence. And even then, sometimes I wouldn't feel it or I wasn't sure about it. But because over the last 20 years, I have dedicated myself, I don't want to say every day, but pretty close, every day praying and meditating and and applying certain principles of Scripture and how to tune myself to the Spirit of God, I'm now at the place in my life where I simply still myself and be silent, and I'm there. I'm there. I'm in attunement with, with God's presence, with God's Spirit. And that's not because I've been magically gifted with something or because I'm so spiritual. Anyone who knows me knows that's definitely not the reason. It's because I have worked hard. I have sacrificed. I have... Because I'm telling you, for a while, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like anything's changing. Okay, I'm meditating, I'm praying, I'm doing all this stuff, and nothing's changing. And then all of a sudden, little changes start to happen. And in the moment, it's very gradual. It's very hard to discern and detect in the moment. But when you look back over five years, ten years, you realize, wow, okay, I am in a different place than I was back then. But it's discipline. It's like musicians. I mean, I believe everyone has music inside of them, but it takes a tremendous amount of discipline to learn the chords, learn the scales, learn some theory, learn how to play, and then you can express the music inside of you. And I love playing with really skilled musicians who have disciplined themselves because it's so much easier to enter into flow with those musicians than someone who hasn't spent their time disciplining themselves. In fact, there's nothing like entering into flow with other skilled, disciplined musicians. In fact, that's where you have the freedom because a a musician who has spent time disciplining themselves over years, it's instinct. It's no longer, they're not even thinking about it anymore. It's instinct, so we're just all there together. Oh, it's amazing. But it doesn't just happen. It's years and years. It's the same thing in the spiritual life. This stuff doesn't just happen. We must discipline ourselves. So when Jesus says something like, do not worry, do not fret, do not judge, that's something that's going to take you maybe a decade, maybe longer of doing every day before you can actually enter into that practice of non-judgment or not fretting in the moment. Okay, so as I contemplate this, okay, so I've got a long journey ahead of me to be liberated from my fretting ways. And as I was thinking about that this week, a story came to my mind. It's a story that I read, I don't know, a decade, maybe two decades ago. It comes from the Taoist tradition. And the story goes like this. One day, a farmer's horse runs away. And the neighbor comes over and says, Oh, I'm so sorry. I heard about your horse. That's terrible. How unfortunate. And the farmer replies, Well, maybe, maybe not. Who can say? And the neighbor's confused. I mean, obviously this is bad news. This is an old story before automobiles and tractors. You know, the neighbor knows that this horse is the most valuable possession that this farmer has. Of course this is bad news. What's there to think about? Well, the neighbor goes home. The next day, the farmer's horse returns and it brings 12 feral horses with it, wild horses. 
The neighbor comes over. <laughs> Congratulations, this is amazing. Look at all your horses. How fortunate. The farmer again replies, maybe, maybe not, who can say? Again, the neighbor, what's wrong with you? Of course this is good news. Neighbor goes home. The next day, the farmer's son is training one of the wild horses, and it throws him off, and he breaks his leg. Neighbor comes over. Oh, heard the bad news. I'm so sorry. How unfortunate. Again, the farmer replied, maybe, maybe not. Who can say? (laughs) The next day, the army is moving through the region, and the captain the army comes into town and conscripts, takes all the able-bodied young men off to war. Most of them will not return. But this farmer's son has a broken leg, so the captain says, okay, we can't use you. You stay home. The neighbor comes over. Amazing. Who would have thought? Yesterday your son broke his leg and now he can't be taken off to war? What? How fortunate. Again, the farmer replies, maybe, maybe not. Who can say? You're getting the picture. This story can go on and on and on. And what strikes me about this story is that I'm like the neighbor. I'm very quick to judge whether something is good or bad, fortunate or unfortunate. I'm very quick to judge whether something is a reason to fret and worry and get anxious or to celebrate and say, yay, good for me. But the the farmer has this interesting ability to withhold judgment. To practice non-judgment. In that moment, to say, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, I don't know. Who can say? That's not my reaction to most things. And I think most of us probably gravitate more towards the neighbor's perception and perspective of things than the farmer, right? So what what is it about this, this farmer that is able to withhold judgment, to practice non judgment in the moment? Now, what what I have discovered since I have been intentionally trying to practice this non-judgment that Jesus teaches us to practice, it's important when you begin this discipline to understand that you're going to be doing it in hindsight. That's where you start. You're not going to start, you know, at an expert level in the moment when you get triggered with something. You're going to be like, okay, I'm practicing non-judgment. Good luck with that. Where, Where the discipline starts is in hindsight. So depending on how reactive you are, how worked up you get over things, you may be starting the next day, right? So you wake up the next morning and you're like, okay, okay, I was really upset about that and I saw, I, I judged that as a bad event or as unfortunate or as a reason to get upset or as an inconvenience, but now I'm going to, here, here's where I've started, I'm going to Consider other ways I could have perceived that event or that occurrence or that circumstance. I'm going to try and see it uh, in a a new way, a different way. So instead of seeing something as an inconvenience, I'm going to try and see it as an opportunity. 
for example. And I think of G.K. Chesterton, who his famous saying, you've probably heard of it, but he says, an inconvenience is just an adventure wrongly considered. And an adventure is just an inconvenience rightly considered. And he gives this example of grown men and grown women. He doesn't use that example, but I will. Grown people and not grown people now that I think about it. So people, (laughs) people chasing a ball around a field for two and a half hours. Just chasing this ball all over the place, and they consider that a great time. That's fun, that's a game, that's awesome. And the very next day, that same man, on his way to work, wearing a hat, he lived in a time where men wore hats. We don't wear hats as much anymore, but back then, the same man is going to work, he's wearing a hat, and the wind blows it off, and it starts rolling down the street, and he's chasing his hat. But in this moment, it's not fun, it's not awesome, it's an inconvenience, and he's grumpy about it. It's like it's the same, same thing, same activity. The only difference is how he has perceived and judged it. One occasion, it's an inconvenience. Another, it's an adventure. So one of the things that, that I am doing to, to learn how to practice non-judgment in the moment is in hindsight, looking back on events. And sometimes it's only like you know, 10, 15 minutes. 10 or 15 minutes later, I'm like, okay. I reacted to that. I perceived that as an inconvenience. I perceived that to be an unfortunate thing or a reason to fret. But in this moment, okay, become fully present and try and see that event, that circumstance in a different way. And that's, that's really where this practice of non-judgment begins. And as you do that, it always starts in hindsight. Spiritual growth, maturity is, is really a matter of Reducing the window, reducing the time period from the triggering event and the initial reaction to the moment when you can become fully present and practice what Jesus teaches us to practice. Does that make sense? So in this example of non-judgment, spiritual growth in that area is is reducing the time period between when I'm triggered by an event, my initial reaction, and then being able to be fully present and practice non-judgment. So maybe when I begin, it it takes me 24 hours, and then I get down to maybe an hour, and then over time, I get down to 10 or 15 minutes. Does that make sense? And if if I keep doing that every day, doing what Jesus says, practicing non judgment, I mean, I can get to the point, I believe this because I've experienced success in other areas of my life, I can get to the point where it's just a, a few seconds, where something happens. My initial reaction is, oh, no, and then, no, fully present, non-judgment. Is this bad? Maybe, maybe not. Who can say? I'm not there yet, and last night I had a reminder that I wasn't there yet. I watched the hockey game, the Leaf game, and, and uh, Max Domi. Anyways, I've probably said enough. I'm getting triggered just thinking about it. Um, I began to fret. Let's just put it that way. I had a fretting moment. And so I'm still on this journey. But I know if I continue to be diligent in practicing what Jesus teaches me, non-judgment, then I can get to the point where I'm still going to have an initial reaction. I don't think we, we, I don't, well, maybe you will, but I don't think I'll ever get over that initial reaction. No! But then one second later, fully present, holding it in non-judgment. Is this bad? Is this good? 
Maybe, maybe not. Who can say? Now, where does that, where does that, that response come from? What is that rooted in? Besides Jesus commanding us to do it, right? <laughs> Which is probably, I mean, for me, I'm already convinced that Jesus has things to teach us and his way is the best way to live. But if, if you're still maybe skeptical of these things, what else is this grounded in and rooted in that makes it a good thing to do? Or what, what is the belief system that makes this farmer in this story respond to fortunate and unfortunate events this way? And I should clarify events that everyone else perceives to be fortunate and unfortunate. Well, the belief, the, the deeper belief is this. It's, it's a humble awareness. So this farmer has an awareness that there is a bigger picture that he cannot see. He doesn't see, he cannot see. There's this, this grand master plan where everything fits together, but he, he can't see it. And so because he cannot see how everything that happens is interconnected in this grand master plan, this bigger picture, then he doesn't have enough information to make a judgment on whether this is good or bad because he doesn't know how it fits into what only God can see. So he finds himself in a position where he can't make a judgment. Now, have you ever said that or heard someone say that? You ask someone you know, about a situation or about another person, they're like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know, I can't, I'm in no position to judge. Have you ever heard anyone say that? I'm in no position to judge. I, I just, I don't know enough information to make a judgment on that. What this farmer understands is that we are never in a position to make a judgment because we can never see the bigger picture. We can never see God's master plan. So we're never in a position to make a judgment on whether something is good or bad, fortunate or unfortunate. It's kind of like, imagine that the, the, the bigger picture of human history, or even the bigger picture of your life, is like this painting that takes up that whole wall. And your, your perspective, your conscious mind, is only able to see one square inch of it. And you see this dark stroke on this painting, you're like, ooh, that's ugly, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't look good at all, that... You can't make a judgment. You're looking at one square inch. Maybe it, when you see the whole painting, it's going to, oh, if that wasn't there, the painting wouldn't have this glorious beauty that it has. It's a crude analogy, but you're with me? Humble awareness that we cannot see the big picture. The psalmist gives us some advice here on how to not fret, and I don't have time to get into all of it. There's some good stuff there, let alone what Jesus has to say in Luke 6. I'm not sure we'll get there. Um, but the response is quite simple. Trust God. Don't fret. Trust God. And that's a part of the humble awareness. There is a grand master plan that we can't see, and just trust God. Trust God. And a part of that, I mean, a specific example that David is talking about here is don't fret over what what evil people are doing, what selfish people are doing, people that are destroying the planet, people that are in power, that have wealth, and are doing terrible things. Don't fret over those things, or don't become envious about what selfish, inconsiderate people are doing, and they seem to be flourishing, and you seem to be fading. Don't become envious or fret. Trust God. Trust that the universe is ultimately just. Things don't seem fair in the moment. It doesn't seem to be a lot of justice when we look around, but, but if we trust the bigger picture, we trust that justice will prevail. 
I mean, and he uses some examples, you know. Don't worry, that person's getting what's coming to them. They're going to be dead soon, is what, what David says, right? Like, we all get what's coming to us. I mean, Jesus puts it this way, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. And it, and it often doesn't feel that way. When we look at some of the people who are succeeding and thriving in life, we're like, wow, they're so selfish and inconsiderate, and look, yet they're just living large, and here we are trying to, trying to follow the way of Jesus, trying to do what God's asking us to do, and we're struggling and suffering. Trust, trust God, trust that the universe is ultimately just, and it, it, maybe it won't even be in this lifetime, but we will, everything will be made fair. And we don't know how. We don't, don't try and figure that out. We can't see the big picture. Don't even go there. It really comes down to a matter of trusting God. Trust that there is justice. Trust that in the end things are fair somehow, but it's beyond our comprehension or imagination. Trust God. One of the things that, that, that David says is not about fretting or being angry or wrathful because fretting only leads to evil. And we, we kind of live in, a, in an age of outrage. Everyone is outraged about something. And I was going to list all the things that people are outraged about, but the more I started thinking about all the things that outrage people, I became outraged <laughs> with how much outrage there is in the world. So I'm not even going to go through the list. We're all outraged about different things. And what grieves me, and I think grieves divine spirit, is that, that Christians, conservative Christians and, and liberal Christians, we are participating in this outrage as much as anyone. And I wonder if we are losing our center, which is the teachings of Christ. Jesus makes it very explicit. Go back and read Luke chapter 6. Love your enemies. I mean, we cannot abandon that to be activists and advocate for other people. We need to be activists. We need to advocate. We cannot lose our center, which is love, loving our enemies. If we cannot be an activist, if we cannot protest, if we cannot fight for social justice without loving our enemies, without loving the oppressors, without forgiving our enemies, then we, we need to stop. We can't lose our center, the way of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus. And sometimes I, 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 sense, I sense that the church isn't modeling this well. We Christians are not modeling this the way God intends us to. Because there's a lot of malice and spite and, and, and vengefulness. Wow, where's this spirit of revenge? The way some people talk about, you know, people who wear Make America Great Again hats, it's like, whoa. <laughs> the way some people talk about Muslims, <sighs> where's the love? Where is the love? If we cannot love those people who we deem our enemies, <sighs> if we're sincere about following the way of Jesus and... and and representing the new humanity and the new world that God wants to reveal through the church, then we, I think we need to be quiet and get back to the basics. Spend some more time. I mean, our Anabaptist heritage, 
get back to the Sermon on the Mount. Spend some time in the Sermon on the Mount. Do not judge. Withhold judgment. Bless those. I mean, Jesus is just so explicit. Bless those who hurt you, who persecute you, who call you names, who shame you. Who's, I mean, we just don't hear that message too much anymore. And, and I realize this is complicated stuff because for centuries, certain groups of people have been oppressed and shamed and, and the oppressors have used Scripture. Oh, but you need to forgive. You need to turn the other cheek. I'm not naive to how complex and how layered these issues are. But as complex and as layered as they are, the center of our following the way of Jesus is this, love. If you complicate it to the point where you're no longer loving and forgiving and blessing others, you're missing it. You've made it too complicated. Trust God and do good. Do good. Contribute to goodness. I'll close with this. Contribute to goodness in your sphere of influence. What I often notice with the, the outrage that we all have about something, it's often about things that are out, our, out of our sphere of influence and control. It's easy to rage about something that we can't really do anything about. How about focus on your sphere of influence? What can you do <laughs> in your own life? How can you become the best version of yourself? That's a way of making the world a better place. A way that you can actually do. <laughs> right? That's something you can actually do. That God is empowering you to do. To become the best version of yourself. And one of the things that I think Spirit is definitely calling us as Christians to do is to model this way of non-judgment, this way of loving our enemies, this way of being true peacemakers by not contributing to the, the hatred and the malice and the scapegoating and the blaming and the shaming. To show the world there is another way. It doesn't mean we don't disagree. But we still love. Trust God and do good. There's more to say, but I'm just going to close with reading Psalm 37 again. Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong and prosper. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Dwell in the land. That hit me. Because I've noticed that whenever I get squirrely, whenever I start fretting, I'm dwelling in my mind. Dwell in the land. Get connected to the earth, your environment. And enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn. Your vindication will shine like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil.